Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Adam Roja with us, Director of Texas Physical Therapy Specialist, SMASA, located in San Antonio, Texas. Adam has also been a Vice President of Clinical Operations and Clinical Manager. He is, has his DPT, Master's in Sports Conditioning and Performance, and is also an Orthopedic Certified Specialist and takes special interest in private practice management and direction. Adam, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I would love to be able, if you could introduce yourself to the audience and give a little background on yourself. Sure. So I've been a a physical therapist now for uh, almost 10 years. Um, I've been in private practice my entire career. Um, Started in a a two-man private practice out in rural Virginia and uh, uh, worked there for a couple of years and then uh, moved across the country out to Washington State where I um, operated and and managed uh, several clinics in eastern Washington and then uh, I've been down here in San Antonio for, for about the last three and a half years. Um, but during that time, uh, the majority of my work has been spent in uh, private practice. And in particular, uh, what I do is, is I spend uh, a significant amount of my time um, revitalizing clinical practices, which means that I go into clinics that uh, typically are underperforming and then set up systems, uh, create uh, operational standards that allow the clinics to become uh, profitable um, and, uh, and then create environments where patients actually want to be treated. Um, that's the, the, the key goal. There we go. That is awesome. I like this is the first time having somebody that's been able to go and kind of be so successful in, in a bunch of different PT um, operations and, and help them succeed and, and improve their, their systems. Um, and I kind of wanted to know what got you into physical mm-hmm. therapy and could you explain your career path? Sure. So I started, uh, uh, I grew up as a, as a military kid. My dad was in the army and, uh, my, actually my, my wife's family's in the army too. So we grew up all over the world. Um, and as a, as an army kid, I spent uh, quite a lot of time, you know, playing sports and being active and, and then also, uh, watching plenty of people get injured in training exercises and, and all sorts of things. And, um, and I always had an interest towards sports medicine, um, but uh, I think it was probably in my freshman year, sophomore year of high school, um, where I uh, I was a soccer player, and one of the first games in the season, I, I took a hard cut, and a defender hit me in the knee, and and I ended up with a femoral fracture, um, and I had to, to rehab, and and that was one of the first times actually going through a rehab experience for me, and uh, I think from that point forward, I said, man, this is what I want to do, you know, I love working with athletes, and I love working. Uh, uh, in sports medicine and and being around that and being physically active. And so as part of a, a rehab for me, you know, I had to learn to regain all my skill set for soccer. I had to uh, learn how to regain all my endurance. So I started running. I started running cross country and track and, and, and effectively becoming uh, more and more fit. And, and that was my ideal goal was I said, hey, I want to have a career where I can 
work with individuals and, and stay active, you know? Um, and so from there, it took me through uh, uh, my undergrad at uh, uh, Brigham Young University, uh, where I studied exercise science and biomechanics. Um, and for a while there, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll go into ex-phys and, and uh, you know, and, and do research. And um, so I went after a master's degree in sports conditioning uh, at, at uh, Southern Utah University. Um, and while I was working on that, I was accepted to uh, PT school. And for me, I, because I grew up as a military kid, uh, I had a, a pretty high desire to uh, become a, a, an army PT. I wanted to go work with uh, the military and I wanted to work with uh, kids who had been hurt like me, you know, who had that experience. And, um, and so I applied several times to uh, uh, become a, a military physical therapist and, um, you know, over the years and, and, uh, and was, you know, uh, at the time they weren't taking too many. Um, and so I was never selected. And, and as a, kind of a part of um, growing through that, right? Uh, we, we, we knew what we wanted to do, which was to, you know, continue to um, spend time working with kids and working with, uh, um, you know, uh, a, an athletic and warrior population. Um, and so my career took that, uh, that pathway. Um, I was accepted to a physical therapy program uh, at Marymount University in, in Washington, uh, D.C., Arlington, Virginia. Um, and which is a fantastic program, great professors and, and learning quite a bit through there. Um, and my first step was, uh, you know, as a, as a new grad, I said, well, uh, I want to be, uh, I want to be one of the best. And so I, I went after a board certification as soon as I could. Um, you know, at, now a lot of kids and, and uh, a lot of new grad uh, physical therapists will go through residency programs. Um, at the time, there was not a lot of residency programs, and uh, and so I sought out uh, a physical therapist who I knew was board certified, and who could provide me with time and, and mentoring, um, and that was in my first uh, you know job as a PT, and so that took me out to southwestern Virginia, um, uh, a county where we were the only PT practice. Um, <laughs> We were the uh, only PT practice in a county of about 20,000 people, um, but uniquely situated because we had actually three universities in, in that little county. Um, and so we had D1, D2, and D3 athletes. And, uh, and my first experience as a PT was, you know, uh, treating 20, 25 people a day and learning how to get through, you know, uh, a, a variable population of you know, athletes and, uh, and, and typical uh, um, orthopedic cases. And, and that really got my uh, uh, specialization skill set up and my repetition and pattern recognition uh, up pretty high. Um, so I learned quite a bit there in my, my first two years, that's for sure. Yeah, so thank you so much for kind of giving that introduction and kind of the explanation of how you got interested in PT and, and having that side of the military um, and also kind of the, the whole career path that you had one of the parts that really stood out to me was that you mentioned um, while you were down in like the Southern Virginia area that you had the experience of opening up your own um, practice there and it was the only clinic in the county. What was that like? Um, did you guys have a lot of people there, a lot of different patient populations because you were the only provider? And how did that kind of, how did managing that clinic, what did you, what are some of the big things that you learned from that opportunity? Uh, so 
uh, just to uh, clarify, it, it, I didn't open the practice. That was a, a practice that was already uh, existent. Um, I came on as a brand new grad with, you know, big wide eyes who uh, maybe thought he was a little bit better than actually was. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, so yeah, by, by and far, I had no, no ability to, uh, to run a clinic, let alone probably run a clinical schedule of my own. Um, and so I had a, I had a, a wonderfully, uh, uh, patient and, and very, uh, very good, uh, um, you know, owner of the practice, uh, and, and mentor there who, who helped me through quite a bit of that and helped me find a lot of my blind spots in treatment. Um, but also helped me to understand how how meaningful you know one patient can be to a practice, and and just how that can affect uh, the livelihoods of the people who are working there with us. Um, and so for me, that was a, a learning experience because you know when you operate in a you know maybe a larger facility or or a hospital based system, you don't always really have the feel of how one patient who cancels can affect your practice, um, or how meaningful it is to retain somebody. Um, and, and bring them back into treatment uh, when they really need it. And for being in a rural county like that, uh, that, was, that was definitely eye-opening because I'd see a patient uh, uh, in the clinic and, and I would see them uh, getting groceries at Walmart. Like you, you would see them on the road, you would drive by their house, you, you, you would know uh, when they uh, fake canceled on you um, because you'd see him, <laughs> you'd, you know, you'd see him down the street and you're like, dude, you, you didn't come in at your one o'clock. Like what's going on, man. And, uh, and, and, you know, you would, you would find uh, quite a few, quite a few patients that way and, and try to bring them back in to, to actually get, get well. Right. And, and so for me, yeah, it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Um, you know, we treated, uh, as many people as we could, um, and and that can be very very difficult um, because for everybody who was a you know maybe a college athlete, we also had our our patient populations that were uh, well below poverty level. Um, you know where we were treating kids who were um, you know growing up in, in very hard homes and uh, and and needed help, and then we were also treating adults who you know, had lost work or who were unemployed or uh, otherwise were, were uh, on, on Medicaid benefits or um, there was plenty of times where we were reaching out to the community to, to help support our neighbors. And, and really that was where um, I would say for me, uh, that common thread of we're doing this for our family, friends and community started to grow. Um, and so definitely uh, an eye-opening experience uh, for me down there. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that you're able to kind of build that, that personal level with each patient and, and have that importance of it. Um, another thing I also like from your introduction that you talked about that you mentioned and highlighted that I wanted to kind of dig in further was about your OCS. Um, could you explain a little, bit about, a little bit about that to the audience, why you decided to pursue that and what are some of the benefits that it has provided throughout your career? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, for our company, our, the name of our company is Texas Physical Therapy Specialists. You know, the specialist portion is what makes us uh, different. Um, throughout the United States, nationally, less than 10% of all PTs become board certified in orthopedics. Um, and it's even less for things like uh, sports uh, board certification 
Um, and, and the uh, American Board of Physical Therapy Specialists has a number of specialties for all, every physical therapy setting almost. Um, and what it means is that you're, not only do you have a, uh, a certain amount of clinical hours in the specialization area, um, you know, the minimum required is 2000 hours in treating that specialization area, but also you've got to go through examination. Um, you've got to sit and almost like the first time when you take your boards to become a PT, you have to go out of your way to want this. And I think for any PT who's looking to become higher level, any PT who's wanting to understand a, a better clinical uh, efficiency and, and clinical effectiveness, uh, you should go after board certification. You should be looking for something that sets you apart. Um, and, and that for me was a, 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 a true stepping stone in my educational level. Um, I learned how and why I do certain things uh, with patients and whether that's through our examination techniques or, um, you know, really what the, the clinical um, reasoning skills would need to be um, all the way down to what do I need to do to be able to help this patient progress effectively over time. Um, and so, again, I think it's just such a huge, huge component that's missed um, when we when we graduate and we think, OK, I've got everything I need. Well. The reality is, is that learning never stops. Um, and there's only so many things that you can do as a PT that really have that national level uh, appeal as does a board certification. That, I love that because actually a couple of things that you highlighted, the continuous learning is something that with every successful person that I've talked to on this podcast, they have highlighted that is that you can't get stagnant with your learning, that you truly have to continue to pursue and gain knowledge if you want to become the best physical therapist that you can be. And then as long as I love the part of the OCS that you mentioned, that it really kind of gives you that next level of understanding that in PT school, obviously, we come out and we're generalist in, in PT, but to really gain that understanding in a specific setting is so important if you want to really excel. So I love that you were able to highlight both of those things. And so you also mentioned in your introduction about the importance of kind of going through different um, career paths and kind of gaining that managerial position and, and gaining that experience in management. Could you kind of explain what motivated you to enter management and some of the things that you've learned in that, some of the biggest challenges and barriers of those different managerial roles that you've worked in? Yeah, uh, you know, there's a, a key phrase that... Uh, you know, if you're if you're interested in, in leadership, there's so many different uh, uh, sources out there and, and great books and, and leadership people. Um, one who I always appreciate uh, listening to and reading from is John Maxwell, and uh, and uh, one of the things that he 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 says is that leaders want to lead, right? You you want to actually do that, and so for me, when I came into um, uh, uh, becoming a physical therapist, uh, I knew that I didn't want to just work in a clinic and go home at the end of the night and be done. Um, I knew that what I wanted to do was have a greater impact. And for me to have a greater impact, I would need to be able to create environments where I could um, grow practices, bring in quality uh, providers and practitioners, and put them in a situation where they could just be exceptional. Um, as one PT, I can impact a couple of people, right? But as a, as a director, as a manager, as a, uh, a, a private practice operator, 
I can create environments where dozens of PTs can impact people. And that's really what I wanted. And so for me, as I, you know, was operating in, in our, uh, in my first uh, clinic, I, you know, I, there's a ceiling point there and, and for as good as it is and as good as it was, when you want to lead, you want to move forward. And it's a good feeling to have that. It's a good thing to follow that and to know that, Hey, that feeling of me wanting to grow and me wanting to develop something further is, is, is quality. It's not a bad thing. And so if I go after that, I need to be looking for opportunities. And as you look for opportunities and as you expand skills, what you find is that timing jumps into the equation. And sometimes the timing says, hey, here's an opportunity right at your door. And as an entrepreneur, you have to say, is this the opportunity that I want to jump on? And that's really where management for me came on as I said, okay, I've got a good opportunity here. It's all the way across the country. Um, <laughs> I got to pick up and move all my kids and wife and family and jump into something. I have no idea if I'm ready to do it or not, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. Um, and from there, learn and grow and gain all those, uh, those skills and abilities uh, that I would want to do if I was going to open up my own practice or if I was going to manage and operate larger uh, uh, practices. So my management career took off as I started to really know for myself um, that I wanted to jump into new and better things, and I wanted to have an impact greater than myself. Wow, wow. yeah, that is very, like, to be able to have to, like, have that opportunity present to you and and chase it, uh, it wasn't, like, it wasn't right in front of you, you had to go after it, and you had to, like you said, move your family across the country to go do that that's something that would be like definitely a hard thing to to choose but obviously if you're motivated and want to make that impact on people that's such an important thing so thank you for sharing that aspect yeah. I feel like I never had thought about that but yeah if opportunity comes you have to be willing to chase it and obviously it's led you to a path of success because of that oh yeah I mean absolutely I mean when you do it once you learn that you can do it anytime right and uh and, and that doesn't mean that you leave companies because you don't like them. It means that you're, you're moving forward and progressing and you're actually developing a larger network and you're actually developing uh, a, a greater community for, for what you're trying to do. And so for me, you know, the same thing occurred after I'd been at the, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that job uh, for several years where um, I had been following other leaders. I had been following uh, and, and learning from other people. Um, and I found, for me, uh, a company in a situation that lined uh, almost 100% with my values and what I wanted to do. Um, and then also just had an opportunity at the right time uh, that matched exactly up to the skill sets that I, that I had and the things that I was passionate about. And so that's really what led me down to San Antonio was I had an opportunity to uh, take a, a, a very unique uh, situation um, and turn it around. And that's really what I love to do um, is take these underperforming clinics and say, we can do this better, right? We can create an environment that's even better for patients um, and, and put in the grit and work to do that. So again, I moved my family uh, across the country <laughs> and, and move down into a situation of unknown, 
right? Um, and you have to understand that as, as you learn and grow within business leadership and as you learn and grow as an entrepreneur, you take risks. You, you may not win in some of those opportunities, right? Like you, you may think, hey, this is going to work. And then uh, any entrepreneur will tell you that there's probably more failures than successes until you get to the successes. And I can tell you that I failed over and over and over and over again at different techniques and strategies and working with people and individuals and learning different ways to talk to people and interview and, and who to hire and not to hire and, and how do we want to grow a practice and where do we want to put locations. And when you fail over and over and over again, you start to also find new ways to do things and you become more and more innovative. Um, and you start to learn, okay, like I can get through a failure. I can get through uh, a, a major disappointment um, and I can actually do something even better. So my primary role now uh, in, in this organization that I run is, is I came down here to San Antonio to um, take on a a practice that had been uh, running poorly uh, for, for, for almost a decade. Um, and, and it shouldn't have been. Um, it had all the opportunity to be a high level sports uh, 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 company um, and had the, and also had this weight of having several uh, high level, absolutely national level, nationally renowned uh, physical or uh, nationally renowned uh, surgeons and orthopedic surgeons on staff. Um, and so when you have a level of, of, of quality on one side of the medical profession, but you're missing the level of quality on the other, uh, that's really where I can step in and do what I, I love to do. Um, and I can tell you that there was, a, a, just like I said, a lot of failures along the way to turn this practice around. Uh, but now it's uh, uh, been been very highly successful, and uh, and we're impacting literally thousands of of patients every month. That is awesome. I love that you're able to. Like, I, I was kind of laughing about that first part when you said that you guys moved again. You you yeah. and your wife are both from military families, and although you didn't get into the military PT, you kind of had that same moving experience. I feel like in that same oh, aspect. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and and I would say we're pretty much done moving now. I would say <laughs> like it, you, you know when you right, there. It, right it, you know you you kind of get to that point where hey kids are ready and family's ready and and uh, and uh, you're in the right position to be doing what you love to do. And, and in those situations, you continue to grow within what's available to you and you, you continue to reach out and create new opportunities within the scope that you have and the influence that you have. And so within what I do now, I have the ability to influence uh, uh, not just areas of San Antonio, um, but I can influence uh, multiple uh, clinics within uh, Central Texas and South Texas. I can uh, coordinate with doctors who have national reach um, and, and impact even, even more than just uh, uh, where I uh, currently uh, work. Um, but more so is, is, you know, as we've grown this practice uh, from just the, you know, it was about three of us, four of us when we first started, you know, now we've got about uh, uh, 15 PTs, um, <laughs> right? That's more and more and more PTs that are now growing and learning and developing and learning to lead or growing and learning and developing and becoming master clinicians. Um, and that's the environment that I love to create. Um, 
we are now impacting players on and off the field in our community um, where we didn't have that reach before. Uh, I've been able to help physical therapists obtain board certifications. This year alone, our practice, our, our, my, my series of clinics uh, helped uh, at least uh, six physical therapists obtain board certification. Um, and our practice, uh, text physical therapy specialists, we, we had nearly 30 who became board certified. Um, and, and that's just a remarkable feat. Um, so it's just really cool when you're able to do that. Um, and, and one of the most amazing things about it is when you learn to lead and when you learn to take on these opportunities, you also learn that it's not about you. It's not you who did this, you know, it's not me who did this. It's creating an environment for people to learn and grow and develop. And as people make right choices and as people continue to find value in the job and, and live by values and principles that are right, they can make choices that advance their career. Um, and so as we have people that are learning and growing, they're doing things that are even more amazing than what I can do alone. I love that a lot. You, like one, of the thing, one of the quotes that came to my mind while you were sharing everything is this quote that I kind of thought about and I, I wanted to apply as, as kind of entered the, the career field is, the opportunity of a lifetime can only be realized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And like, I feel like that is something that you have followed to a T, that you've seen the opportunity and you've taken it and it's continued to just kind of springboard you to the next step and the next step and the next step. And then I love the part that you talked about with leadership, that it's not about you. It's about kind of creating that environment for everyone to be successful and grow in. And like to have so many people getting those additional certifications just in your guys' specific company alone is something that I think is so valuable in creating your guys' self kind of a standard of excellence that may be like not comparable to other people around there because of that, because you guys are pursuing such high goals. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, almost 70% of all of our clinicians now are board certified and that's, you know, we've got uh, 30 plus clinics throughout, you know, central Texas. Um, and that's just a, a remarkable thing, you know, and what it is, is about finding the right people who really want to do the same, same thing. Who, who really want to advance their careers. Um, and like we said, providing the, the right environments for them to do that. Um, and that includes everything from the right culture, right? Like having a good culture for your clinic. And you hear about this a lot as you talk with business leaders and you talk with uh, physical therapy practices is culture, culture, culture. Well, nobody wants to work in a clinic that they don't want. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you know, for lack of a better word, stinks, it, you know, like where you just don't want to be there. Um, and when you look at clinics like, like ours, uh, I, I, when I interview our therapists or potential therapists, one of the things that I, I have to be really clear about is, is that, that we work really, really hard. Like it's not easy to be in, in the clinics uh, uh, that, that I have um, or the ones that the uh, you know, our, our team has to be on and off the field. We have clinical hours and then we have on field hours. Um, it's not really a nine to five PT gig. And so if you're, if you're at all at any point thinking it's going to be easy, it's not, but I can say that it's highly, highly rewarding, right? Those opportunities are there and you can just pounce on them as much as you want. Um, and that's really the incredible thing. So if you're willing to work, you're willing to put in the work, man, you can achieve such great things. Um, 
And like you said, yeah, there's opportunities that are out there. And are you willing to jump on those when you see them is a big part of entrepreneurship. And that isn't without risk. Like, like I said before, it's not without risk to try to do something that hasn't been done before. Like, there's a good chance that you're going to fail. But as an entrepreneur, you also realize that failure is not the end. Um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that you're done. Yeah. It just means, hey, it's a new opportunity to try it a different way. And when you have that mindset, yeah, you can, you can really achieve some pretty cool things. Um, but if your mindset is, uh, you know, failure is disheartening and I'm disappointed and I'll never be anything worthwhile. Well, that, that's, a, that's a, a difficult position to be in. Um, it's hard to advance that way. And that doesn't mean that you don't feel disappointed. It doesn't mean that you don't feel the frustration and the days of I got text messages at 5 a.m. and I'm getting text messages at 11.45 at night, right? Like, you know, or phone calls at 11. <laughs> like you're going to have days like that, right? If you're leading and really uh, taking on clinics. Um, and, but what you know is, is that the overall purpose is, is what you want. You know, you have to be willing to put in that level of work and accept that level of risk. And when you have high risk, you have high reward. Yeah, I love that you highlighted the aspect of, of, of a good mindset that with entrepreneurship, we have to be knowing and have that, that realistic mindset of, yeah, we could fail, but that failure isn't an end, that it's a means to learning. And, and another, I, I mentioned this in another podcast, but like there's this quote that I had and I ended up finding it like when I was in high school is the difference between a stepping stone and a stumbling block is all within the height of your step. And that we really can have those obstacles that come our way, have them be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. And it's all a matter of us. And I love that. I think that's such a important aspect of being an entrepreneur that we have to know that this is within myself that yes, there are going to be things that are going to impact but my attitude and how I'm going to let that affect me is so key. And I really love that you mentioned that. No, I was going to say, absolutely. I mean, it's such a key point. And one of the other, you know, pieces of that is you also have to be willing to accept that you're wrong. Like as you grow with teams, you're going to get feedback and that feedback may not be what you want to hear, but it's going to be, oftentimes it's going to be what you need to hear. And, and there's plenty of times where I've been way wrong. And I said, man, this is going to be a great strategy. This is going to be so highly successful. This is going to be so good. And then the team's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like it just didn't land right and so you also have to accept that point of like hey those are those are learning points too it's okay for me to to, to be wrong and take two steps back and try something better right um it doesn't have to always be my way um and, and that's probably one of the biggest things that's allowed you know uh in, in, at least in the revitalization aspect of what i do um, to really flourish is being able to take the feedback from others and say, okay, yeah, that probably wasn't the best idea I've had. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's try it another way. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's try it another way and, and, and we'll take that route. And, and, uh, and so there's, there's a phrase that we sometimes, uh, you know, jokingly use at, at one of my clinics where we say it works until it doesn't, right? Like, like this is a strategy that we're going to use until it doesn't work anymore. And then we're going to try a different strategy and we're okay doing that. Like we're okay knowing that, that this may not work the way that we intended, but if we can learn something from it, grow something from it, 
um, you know, even if there was just a minuscule aspect of it, that's going to be worthwhile. We're going to take that and we're going to build on that. That's great. Thank you for that. I feel Honestly, I feel like a lot, this whole podcast you've been giving us a lot of important nuggets to have for somebody that's interested in entrepreneurship to be able, if you apply these, you'll be so successful and so far ahead. And I kind of wanted to ask you, it seems like you're obviously doing a lot of different things to make your, your clinics that you manage so successful. So how are you able to manage the time aspect of everything? You obviously have a family and also being such a successful entrepreneur, but also how are you able to create that culture and that environment where people want to surround you and want to have that same success as you're having? Uh, well, I think the, the, the most important thing is uh, putting the first things first. Um, you know, I highly prioritize family faith um, before anything else that I do. Um, that means that what I do at work is going to be an extension of how I operate at home um, or how I operate within the faith that I do have. It means that uh, how I create uh, environments within the clinic should match with the values and principles that I keep as, uh, as an individual. Um, that also means that if I respect family time for me, I want to have an environment where um, my clinicians with family or my employees with family know that I value that and that I want to protect that time for them too. Um, now there's plenty of times where, you know, the necessities of business mean, yeah, I may have to call you at nine 30 at night, you know, um, but I try not to do that. Uh, I want home time. I tell my clinicians, you, you want to have your work done. So, work time is work time and home time is home time. Um, because if you value the relationships that you have at home first, and what you're going to find is, is that you're able to do the things that you need to do. And that really goes back to, again, putting first things first. Um, it also goes back to prioritizing schedules and prioritizing uh, the things that matter most in your week. Um, you know, before I start any month, uh, I already have on my calendar uh, um, meetings with every individual employee that I have. Um, I set that up as my most important piece of what I do is an individual meet with everyone, um, it, whether it's for 30 minutes or an hour, uh, every, every month I meet in with everybody on my team. And I, and sometimes that's a, a meeting about uh, performance. Sometimes, uh, probably more so is a meeting about how are you actually doing? Like, how's your life? Is this working? Uh, do you enjoy what you do? How can I help you? Um, and as I prioritize that, it allows me to create environments and, and, uh, and fits for, for my teammates and my providers um, that let them do well. And if there's something I need to fix, I can help fix it. And if there's something I need them to fix, they know where they stand. Um, and that takes a lot of the air out of the conversation. Now, in some practices, you're going to find that that's less prioritized. Um, you know, the, the value of an hour is quite a bit. Um, but what I've learned is that if I prioritize that first, I put in that quality time with my team, um, I get the results that I'm looking for. And I get the, uh, the resiliency in the team that I'm looking for. And I get the performance that I'm looking for because we know that it's not just about uh, seeing as many patients as we can, although we're definitely going to see uh, a, a great deal of patients because that is important to us. Um, 
but if I can help people know that they're more important to me than an hour, then I'm being successful as a leader. And, and then they can take, uh, they can take that skill on with them when they're ready to lead or when they're ready to uh, move forward in, in their jobs and know that it's about the team first. Um, I also spend a significant amount of time uh, ensuring that I don't let the not urgent, not important get into my day. Um, so, you know, you set up all sorts of things to help do that. Everybody's a little different that way. Some people do notebooks and write down all their calendar. Um, I choose that there's certain things that I look at during the day, like email, uh, only at certain points. Um, and then I have other times where I want to be in treatment, treating patients. And I just, and that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, that allows me to keep the most important things on my timetable. Um, and when I'm ready to tackle them, um, it takes a high degree of proactivity to be able to do that. Um, it's a skill that is learned and developed over time. Uh, but doing it well, you can you can certainly uh, uh, be high performing at home and uh, and in the clinic. Um, you know, for for years and years, I used to race marathons. Um, I, I don't race them so much anymore because I've got uh, uh, my kids are getting older, and so I spend uh, more time with them than I do, you know, on on training runs. But I still get out there quite a bit for for good workouts, and that's an important time for me. You know, this is ensuring that every day I get some level of exercise. I'm a physical therapist. It, I mean, I got to do some kind of workout, right? Like you can't be the PT, <laughs> right? Like you can't be the PT, like not, you know, taking care of themselves and then trying to tell the other people to take care of themselves. Um, so, you know, I spend quite a bit of time ensuring that I do that every day. And so you put those time blocks in that are most valuable to you. You put first things first, and what you'll find is that you have plenty of time to be able to do what you need to do. Now, some weeks are going to be rougher than others, and you're going to have what feels like just a wave of things that just come at you from left and right. But if you keep first things first, you're never going to be worried about uh, your high priorities. Uh, you'll be able to handle those effectively. Yeah, I just feel that something that's so important to you and that is, has made it so successful is the importance of having those employees know that you're giving them their quality time and that as you hear them and know their needs and know how they're doing just as besides just a clinician or like as a person that I'm sure creates such a huge buy-in into your, um, into your, your clinic, into them wanting to really succeed for everybody to make that progress and growth. So that was really, really good. Um, there's so many things in that right there that I loved the importance of managing your time and having that productivity and knowing that, yeah, sometimes it may not be able to have, you may not be able to check all the boxes, but if you're prioritizing the things that are most important in the end, things will work out. We can't kind of beat ourselves up over not hitting everything, but knowing that we're doing our best with everything and, and understanding what we value and giving time for that and everything else will fall into place. Right. Mm -hmm. Another question that I wanted to ask, obviously like right now you have had a lot of successes and you mentioned those, but you also mentioned the portion of the failures that you've had. What is something maybe, throughout your career, that's something that you learned uh, and that you wish you had learned it sooner, that once you made that kind of aha moment, it really transformed your career and tr transformed how you viewed entrepreneurship in the field of PT? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I think that the, it's the, the concept of learning how to fail. Um, you know, 
I have a, um, what do I want to say? I, I have a tendency as an individual, right, to be hard on myself. Um, and that's just a really difficult place to be in as a business leader or an entrepreneur is if you beat yourself up every time you mess up. And, and for years, uh, that was uh, a significant challenge for me. Um, you know, I think everybody, uh, you know, more and more so, you know, over the last few years, we have a, a much better understanding of, of mental health uh, among, uh, you know, uh, physical therapists and especially within uh, PT school and, and, uh, and then even just in the community at large, there's still quite a bit of, of work that needs to be done there. But, but the reality is, is that we all, we all have needs uh, at different times. And when you have uh, a tendency to be uh, harder on yourself than you should be, um, it can make things really challenging. So for me, it was uh, getting, uh, getting proper learning around those feelings and emotions, uh, getting proper learning around uh, how to handle situations and individuals um, and the, the feeling uh, that would come with that. Uh, what those feelings actually meant, uh, being able to discern them uh, properly, uh, and then not just acknowledge them, but also uh, uh, know how and what to do about them, right? And so for me, at least, that allowed uh, quite a bit of growth to occur because, again, I, I learned how to fail well. And so as you do that, you, you learn, hey, this isn't the end. Um, there's plenty ahead of me. Uh, this, this, uh, this moment is, 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 uh, is temporary. Um, and that, uh, that was probably the, the biggest growth point. Now that doesn't come after reading a book or listening to a podcast once or, or getting uh, advice from a, a good mentor or friend that comes after years and years of development. And also years and years of, of practicing uh, uh, strategies that can help with that. Um, I think sometimes we get a little bit caught up in the idea of instantaneous relief around failure. Um, but the reality is, is that uh, everyone is different in how you uh, approach that. And, and everyone is different in how you need to uh, uh, grow and learn and develop to be able to overcome uh, uh, some of those challenges. So, yeah, so yeah definitely, uh, I, I would say... Um, learning to fail well. I love that. I love yeah. that. And I feel like, yeah, the experience factor is only unmatched. You can have theoretical, you can learn things in a book or in a podcast or even from a mentor and that can help to a certain degree. But yeah, having the experiences is, is so valuable and just, you can't, you can't exchange that for anything else. Um, but like yeah. on the topic of mentorship, you mentioned that and you kind of mentioned it early on in the podcast and just again right there. Um, did you have any mentors throughout your career? And if so, was there something of their value that you found that was so important to you and maybe kind of maybe avoiding a, a, a mishap that they had? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, and, and with that, I mean, I think it would be just too many people to name. Um, and I think part of that is because I, I have a little bit of a, uh, I have a, 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 uh, one of my behaviors is that uh, I, I love to learn anything that I possibly can around things that have interests me. Um, I was always a kid who 
Um, <laughs> growing up, I would like grab encyclopedias to read for fun, right? Like I liked <laughs> facts and things like um, <laughs> as much as I loved athletics and like being active and, and doing all that. When I got bored, I'd grab like an encyclopedia and just like start reading things. Right. And I, I still have that thing now where it's like, hey, if it's late at night and I've had a long day, I'll just like pop on Wikipedia and like just read about world history. Right. Or, or something like that. And, and the point of this is that uh, there's so many people who've helped me along the way. Um, and my my tendency was to gather as much information from as many of them as possible. Um, and so I've had wonderful professors who've helped me um, and, and all along the way, undergrad, master's, doctoral, um, who sometimes I'll still reach out to for advice on things. Um, I've had people that uh, were wonderful business leaders in and out of physical therapy profession who've been fantastic to me and helping me through situations and then also helping me to to look and, and view uh, what I do through a lens of, of not just PT, but actual business, right? Like how does this actually affect uh, a market? How does this actually affect uh, a livelihood? Um, I've had religious leaders and, and, uh, and, uh, and teachers who've been wonderful and, 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 a, and a great resource to me as well. Um, and, uh, and I think all along the way, if you're open to the feedback of other people, you're going to find that you, you have way more mentors than you'll ever be able to count. Um, the key to it is, is you have to be teachable. Um, you have to be open. You have to be able to accept the feedback that comes from it. And I would say that probably one of my greatest mentors is the team around me. I try to surround myself with people who are way smarter than me and better clinicians than I am. Um, I don't need to be the best clinician in the office. I don't, I don't often want to be, I want to have other people who I can learn from. And, and so I try to surround myself with people who are, who are better where I can learn. Um, I try to surround myself with people who, who have different experiences that may uh, balance mine um, or, or may provide insight into things that I've never looked at before. Um, and that allows me then to make good decisions and, and to make better decisions over time. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think one of the biggest mentors that we sometimes neglect is the teammates around us. Um, and I would say even from, you know, in our organization, I've got, uh, uh, you know, I have about almost 50 employees myself. Um, and I, I've learned, wonderful things from some of my, uh, you know, like entry level PT technicians, right. And they've taught me things, um, things that I never would have learned otherwise. Um, and, and, and I think if you're looking for that mentorship, you can find it anywhere you want to look. If you want to have one person who helps you all along the way, yeah, there's those mentors too. And I've had those, um, but I, I think for me is, is being open enough to be able to say, Hey, the world around me is smart and the people around me are valuable and I can learn from them uh, is a key uh, uh, a source of the success that we've been able to have. That, that was awesome. I, 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 I feel so redundant saying this again and again, but it's just so good and so valuable that that humility and being able to be teachable is something that even when you are in like a lead in a leadership position, to be able to have that will make your life so much easier because you're going to be able to grow from, from everybody around you, not just think that you can only grow from someone above you. 
um, but someone like laterally and even like anybody around you can provide that, that information. And I love that. Um, one thing I, I also wanted to mention is that you're currently pursuing your MBA and that's something that we've seen recently. Um, some programs have started to offer kind of a DPT with an MBA. Um, why did you decide to pursue this additional education in business? Uh, I mean, I think from one point was, uh, you know, like we meant, uh, as I mentioned before, right. Um, you know, one of our core values as a company and one of the core values that I have is I believe that learning doesn't stop. Um, I've also know that, uh, uh, you know, as I've learned over the years, uh, I have a, a deep interest in understanding the world around me and my impact in it. Um, and as I've become more and more involved in operations and, you know, truly leading uh, a number of businesses within, um, you know, my current uh, group and, and my current responsibilities, uh, I've needed to be better. Um, I've wanted to be better, right? And just like as a clinician, you may say, boy, I need to go and take a con ed this weekend because I have no idea how to treat vestibular, right? Or, or to do something like that. As you start to learn and grow as a business leader, you start to look and say, okay, what things are going to be helpful to me? Um, you know, whether that's books or, or, or uh, conferences or, you know, um, talking and working with mentors or coaches or business coaches. And for me, uh, one of the things that uh, interested me was getting some more education. Um, I wanted to have something that was going to be somewhat independent of PT uh, to, to be able to understand better how um and why we do things within the business world uh, to better understand uh, management, economics, um, and, and be able to lead better. Um, and as you do that, you find yourself saying and making better decisions. Um, you know, I've, I'm about uh, uh, a third of the way through uh, my current program and should finish that up here in the next year or so. Um, but I'm also not trying to do it very quickly. I'm just trying to take a class maybe every seven, eight weeks and, and uh, really digest the information. And then for me is, as I digest that information, I try to apply it immediately. Um, how can this make my clinic better? The other key piece around an MBA is, is that it's not for everyone. Um, it's not a necessary thing. Um, sometimes we think that we need to have another degree to have another degree. And that's, that's fine. Uh, my, my, uh, you know, for some people that that's a key point. They want to have that, that extra graduate degree. Um, for some individuals, uh, it's about finding the right program for them. Um, you know, I found a program that's here in Texas that is reasonable on my budget and that I could enjoy doing at my own pace. Um, if it wasn't hitting all those markers, I, I don't know if I would have done it. Um, or at least at this time, uh, it may have been something that I put off for, for maybe several more years or, or done in a different capacity. Um, but I enjoy learning. And so finding a good program for me in a well-situated, uh, environment, uh, allowed me to, uh, to learn and, and make my clinics better. Um, I would say that for the PT schools that are doing, you know, PT MBA, there's valuable learning there. And if you're the kind of individual who loves to learn and, and, and really wants to get into business, that's great. Um, you know, you'll come out of school having a doctorate and a master's 
uh, a business administration, which already sets you apart um, from the majority of, of new graduates out there. And so I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing whenever those, those two can be combined. Um, for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and honestly, this time, I just realized like this time has flown by um, and I want to be respectful of your time and uh, your weekend and everything. But I just wanted to ask, is there any other additional information or advice that you'd like to share with the audience? You know, I think one of the, the key pieces uh, for anybody who, who wants to do well, you know, coming out of school, who has interest in business, who has interest in leading and directing clinics is, uh, um, is really getting a strong feel for your values and principles. Like, how do you want that business to run? How do you want your team uh, to be a team? How do you want patients to feel when they come into your door? Um, when you know that those are the things that you want and you're able to list those out effectively, then you'll find practices that match to that and you'll find ones that don't. And that'll help you to avoid the ones that don't. And when it's time for you to open up your own clinic or when it's time for you to lead a, a major part of an existing company or or to, to grow in your, your leadership skills, you'll be ready for it because it's going to align with those values. Um, and a lot of times we, we sometimes feel like, Hey, once I get out of school, I got to find a job. I got to, you know, I got to get right into a, a place or, or maybe, um, you know, for the, some, some of us, you know, I know it was for me. Uh, I, I need to get paid because I need to feed my kids. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so you look for work that, that, that maybe has a bit of a higher salary figure, right? Um, sometimes those jobs don't value or don't, don't uh, align with your values and principles, but if you don't know what those values and principles are, you, you'll, you'll struggle, um, and you'll get caught up in the situations that you don't want to be in and, and you'll find yourself saying, Hey, this is maybe this, this wasn't the right choice. And, um, and so, you know, for new grad, I'd say know what your values and principles are. So when you ever have to come up against those situations and you want to grow business or you want to take on new work or you want to pursue those opportunities as they fly by you and you want to really get into your entrepreneurial nature, know the values and principles that you want to live and what they want to be so you'll never have to question it. And that will put you in a position to create things that are remarkably successful every time. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. That was, I feel like this whole podcast was just, this episode specifically was just on having a, such a great mindset and entrepreneurship and that growth mindset to continually be progressing and, and getting that success, but also like understanding to go through failures in that. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that information. And honestly, um, I like if someone is interested in talking with you, and I'm sure people will be, what is the best way to contact you and talk with you more? Uh, yeah, you know, like I said, for me, uh, I try to manage that time pretty, pretty, pretty well. Um, <laughs> and so the uh, the best way to reach out to me is through my email. Um, that puts it into a, a spot where I can get to it when I can get to it. And just know that if you reach out to me, and uh, you know, if I uh, as as I have time, I'll reach back out. Um, but my email is there to uh, um, a. A Roja at textpts.com. Um, and uh, you're more than welcome to email me anytime that uh, you have a question, need, a concern, or even if you're interested in, in really what we do here. Um, you know, we take uh, clinicians from all across the country here in our company. 
Um, and we've created leaders that have also gone uh, throughout many states within a, in the country. And so we, you know, our company is a, uh, I, sometimes I, I like to say we're, we're, we're a leadership company that does PT. Um, and so we love to help people become leaders. So feel free to reach out to me anytime. Just know that I may not reach out to you immediately back, but I'd be more than happy to talk with you anytime you have interest. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. This was, this was such a great episode. I'm really excited to be able to go back and listen to it again and just continue to, to write down all the important aspects and kind of those nuggets that you gave us of, of advice and wisdom. So thank you again for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. All right. You have a good one. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.